Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and joined by John Gibson for a bit of a change up in our usual schedule. With Newcastle in the Champions League, this week's match preview of the clash with Sheffield United will come as part of this episode where we're initially going to look back on the Magpies' return to Europe and the 0-0 draw at the San Siro with EC Milan. Now with these episodes, it's going to be a bit trial and error and we'd love your feedback to whether you want a standalone view of the European games or if you're quite happy to reflect and then look ahead to the game to come. So drop me an email, andrew.musgrove at reachplc with your thoughts and any feedback in general uh, about the podcast. We do love to read your feedback. John, as I said there, nil-nil in the San Siro. I'm sure that's added to your mood. Are you well? Are you keeping good? Yes, I'm fine. And uh, that was good last night in terms of the result. Um, we've now visited in European competition, Newcastle, we visited the San Siro three times and three times came away unbeaten. We've come away with three draws. 1970, I was there for the European First Cup against Inter Milan, which ended 1-1. 2003, Inter Milan again in the Champions League, this time 2-2. And then, of course, last night, 0-0. So it would appear that either of the Milan sides can't took up Newcastle in the San Siro, which is quite an impressive record. Yes, it's quite something to have down on no. your results sheet. Uh, I just want to start, though, with your emotions, John, when you heard that Champions League music ring out. I'm guessing, and uh, you, me, and everyone listening, was it just a little bit like Jacob Murphy, a bit of a smile, a blow out of the cheeks, and probably just a moment of, how the devil did we get here? Yeah, a little bit like that, or how did we get there that quickly? Um, that That's the staggering part of it. And then it was memories, wasn't it? And it was wonderful, and it made you think, hey, we don't want this to end. And I don't mean after six games. I mean, next season and the season afterwards, it's the only place to be. It's like when you discover a very good restaurant not too far from your doorstep, you want to keep going back to it. You don't want to go to where you were before. And it's that way for Newcastle United and for their fans. And then... Apart from that dreadful incident where a fan got uh, stabbed and we send all the best to his family, and the fans in general seem to enjoy themselves and really take over Milan with all the flags, etc., uh, etc. Et it was an extra special day and it wasn't spoiled by getting beat because that would have been a disappointing return to the top table. And uh, it wasn't allowed to happen and, and that's good. That's a better point for us than it is for them. And as Eddie Howe said afterwards, in the long run, it might turn out to be a very significant point. 
because Newcastle will be a tough side to beat, even for Paris Saint-Germain at St James's Park. So getting something away is important. It certainly is. And I think if you're Milan, you'll be kicking yourself though that you haven't won that game, maybe by two or, okay. or three goals. Newcastle defended well. They rode their look at times. And we'll get on to the defensive display and, and unfortunately, really the lack of an attacking display um, in a moment. But um, I, I just want to uh, just concentrate briefly on Murphy, Longstaff, and, and Dan Byrne. We've mentioned there how we felt watching it back here in the UK. We've mentioned how the fans enjoyed themselves. But for those three in particular, I mean, just living the Geordie dream. Oh, yes, because they were fans of Newcastle as a young boy. Two of them were born uh, up here. And it's a very, very special moment for them. And in fairness as well, uh, Elliot Anderson getting on later on, yet another Geordie who was tasting and will be able now to say, I have played in the Champions League for Newcastle United, and that is extra special. And, and there's a lot of players who have missed out on that because we've been 20 years away from the Champions League. That means some players' careers have come and gone without them ever doing or achieving that. So it was an extra special night for all four of those guys, especially the three that started, of course. It certainly was, and the four and a half thousand that managed to get a ticket and get into the stadium. Let's look at the, the team that started then, John. I mean, Jacob Murphy's the one we're going to have to begin with because no one saw that coming. He, he replaced no. Harvey Barnes in the side. In reality, he was actually replacing Miguel Almiron, wasn't he? Because I think everyone felt Almiron yeah. was going to come back in. Uh, what do you think the thinking was behind that? Um, from my point of view, uh, Initially, when you see it, you say, oh, that's from left-side midfield. Where's that come from? The other changes were to be expected, and we all thought they would happen. Tonali and Isaac replacing Callum Wilson because it's a second match in three days. But Murphy, my feeling is that when you looked at the setup of AC Milan, all their threat come down the left-hand side. They had great pace down there, the outside left, for the want of another word, was an absolute box of tricks, albeit that he had too many tricks and fell over the ball at, at one stage, if you remember. But the great threat was down there. And for all Almirans a willing runner backwards as well as forwards, he's not as disciplined. And I think Murphy was put in there not just because he's a good crosser of the ball and he can finish on occasions, but the work he would do facing his own goal. He they, 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 he would Almiron would be willing, but would be less disciplined. Murphy would be disciplined in coming back and helping out Trippier, who incidentally, I thought, poor Papart was the sensation of the Newcastle team. Trippier was absolutely magnificent. But if you re, if we remember when Pope was beating, the bloke on the line to kick it off was Murphy. And I think that wasn't an accident. That was a design. I think he got the nod ahead of Almiron and ahead of Harvey Barnes because of his work going backwards. I mean, he has actually in the old days played fullback, hasn't he? And I, I, I think he was in there because we realised the threat was down that side, the threat from Milan, and it was an attempt to nullify it to a certain extent. 
Interesting though, because I think what Miggy does really well, he defends and he tracks back, and we we, we saw him putting probably the most crucial of challenges very late on because it was a, a certain goal, I feel, of the ball that had fallen to the Milan attacker, but Almiron got a sprint on and managed to get across and, and, and get it out of play. It's interesting that you, you, you see you think Murphy came in because of his defensive attributes when, like I say, I think maybe Miggy's hidden talent is is exactly that. Well, it, it's a willingness to do that work. But I don't think he's hugely disciplined. But then I don't think, bless him, he's hugely disciplined on anything he does. He's a he's a Jewish bunny. You wind him up and you let him go, and wherever he lands, he'll have a good dip for you. He is very willing to work back, but I don't think he works back as disciplined as Murphy did, who has played fullback, as I've said. You could never imagine Almiron playing fullback. Um uh, although I'm surprised under Steve Bruce, he wasn't picked there at some stage. Um, but you would never imagine it. And yes, I know the incident you're talking about in the penalty area. It wasn't a tackle, really. It was an anticipation and a lunge. Wonderful and saved the situation. A lunge for the ball and to get it away rather than a, a tackle on a guy. Um, but I do think Murphy was picked for that reason. Murphy has more discipline to his game than Mickey has. Miggy is willing and will do all the dirty work that's possible, a lot more than, than Alan San Maximum would have done in his day. There's no question about that. But I think that the edge was just with Murphy, and that's why Murphy was put in, and that's why Murphy was standing on the um, on the line on that ball. You wouldn't imagine Almirin standing on the line, kicking the ball off Newcastle's line when the keeper was beaten. Um, I think it was done deliberately by Eddie, who's a deep thinker about the game. And I suppose you could say that it worked because the result is uh, justifies the means. Yeah, point, very valuable point, as as you say. And yeah, Murphy, you know, didn't do too badly. Plenty of of direct running wanted to uh, hey. go forward. It's interesting that you you mentioned the rest of the changes, John, that were made. And you are right. We anticipated Alexander Isak coming back in but if you'd asked me in the hours if you'd asked me what I would have done and as opposed to what Eddie Howe would have done I would have started Callum Wilson uh, and I think after you wouldn't have started him against Brentford look I changed my mind like the days of the week John uh, yes I know I've, I've begun to realise that because he we... was definitely not going to start against Brentford and nobody was going to challenge Almiron and Gordon couldn't move across, but all of a sudden that silly old person Eddie Howe took a chance and did move Gordon across. Look, I'm man enough to admit I get things wrong quite often, all, but I, what, what, I, what I will say is I think I was the only person that called for Jacob Murphy to start uh, last season. I think ah. it was against Wolves. It won me a Nando, so I've always got that feather in me cap. But yeah, I think yeah. Callum Wilson, I would have started because Alexander Isak just you would have started him in Milan, you say now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Wilson looked more dangerous than Isak did, and I mean there wasn't much to go to go on really. But Isak, he just doesn't look himself of late. I was uh, going to say the the two things I was going to come on to, and I, I'm not suggesting for one second you're saying that with hindsight. I haven't seen Isak's performance in Milan, but the, one of the things I was going to come on to was my concern on both Tenali and Isak. Um, but before I do, I think 
I think the only reason Wilson didn't start was that um, it didn't start in Milan. It was, it was three days after Brentford, and he'd played 98 minutes against Brentford. The minute he played the 90 plus the 8 added on, the minute he played those 98, it said to me straight away, he's not playing in, because normally he, whoever sent it forward would be replaced by the other guy somewhere after 60 minutes. Isaac never got on, Tonali never got on, so it was a knocking bet that those two start in Milan. Um, and so it turned out. Um, but when you consider the ability of Isaac, and I would lump Tonali in with this as well, huge, huge ability. Their current performances, both of them worry me. Isaac to start with, um, is is not look. We know that he's the future of the club because of his age, as Tonali was bought to be. Um, so we know he's the future of the club rather than Callum Wilson, purely on age. But when he has started this season, after the first game of the season, when everybody was on blog in a 5 ward, take that game out. Isaac has been languid. He has he he not shown the urgency. He, he repeatedly comes short uh, looking for the ball and will drift out uh, wide of each post in the way that Wilson doesn't. He plays different to, to the way Wilson plays. But um, I've been disturbed by him because he hasn't looked the get-up-and-go guy that we want. And he's repeatedly come short, whereas Wilson will stretch and go in behind the defence and therefore worry the defence and will play between the two posts. They're very, very different players. But Isaac is not playing to the the best of his ability at the moment, and neither is Tonali. I I was hoping that the game in the San Siro would bring the best out of Tonali. You know, going back home, adored by their fans, is not going to get a hostile reception like a lot of players that leave clubs and then go back pretty early on afterwards. They get a very hostile reception. That was never going to happen to Tonali because they know he's a fan from being a kid and they know that Milan had to sell him for the money and so he went. He wasn't agitating to go. So he got a terrific reception. But it was not only have they not solved how to play him and, and, and Bruno together, but it looked as if the occasion got to him too much. It looked as if he was taking taking in water. He didn't enjoy it far from inspiring him. It seemed to set him into himself. He, yeah. he become more of a pygmy than, than a giant in this situation. And it is worrying because he isn't looking the player that we believe he is with his reputation. Mm, I mean, I guess it's always the risk that's that's going to happen, and you know, there's no sentiment allowed in, in football, no sentiment allowed in Eddie Howe's uh, teams and squad. But when you go back so early on, you know, he's. He, you know, I had this weird vision of um, when I was watching him play, and the, the commentator was talking about Tenali being a boyhood Milan fan of him, like going back after retirement and just setting up family and home in Milan. And I, I don't know, it just I kind of expected him it to get on top of him and. You know, he's got to get that out of, out of his system and hope, thankfully it's the, maybe the first game of the Champions League and then that's it now done. It's out of his system. And maybe a little bit as well um, for Newcastle as well. You know, they've got out the first game out of the, the system. They've got an important point and they can build 
on that. I just Isaac for me, you know, he, he just he doesn't look happy. I think dropping deep to get on the ball isn't helping him either. Um, right. And moving out onto the left was a strange one, I thought as well. He looked absolutely knackered. He looked like he was running through cement. I didn't quite understand why, how made that made that change, and 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 didn't take him off for Callum Wilson. Yeah, uh, mentioning Tonali just very quickly, uh, what bothers me is not the Milan display. I was surprised. I thought that might inspire him. But his problems isn't just Milan. He hasn't looked the parts outside of 5-1 Aston Villa when everybody looked the part. He hasn't looked the play. And I know he's not a smiler like Miggy Almeron, but he doesn't even he doesn't look happy. You know, he, he looks as if he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, not just going back to Milan, the previous games that, that he's been playing for Newcastle. And, you know, perhaps he doesn't know... I mean, I can understand it to an extent. He doesn't know uh, exactly what his job in that midfield is, how he's going to dovetail with Bruno, etc., etc. And there's the language problem, of course. Um, you know, however much... You have an interpreter, and Eddie doesn't like using interpreters because he thinks a lot is lost in interpretation. I'm sure it is. It's very difficult to get messages across. And, um, you know, somebody, some players hit the ground running when they come to a club, and, and others don't. And uh, at the moment, Newcastle have a problem with Isaac, and they have a problem with their midfield, of which Tonali is a big part of it. I mean... You know, it, it it as we go to Sheffield United, and we'll be talking about that eventually. They they only nailed on man for Sheffield United to a great extent is um, Sean Longstaff. Yeah, although of course Bruno will play, and then it's is it Tenali or is it Anderson? But there there is a problem, and Isaac doesn't look the player that he was last season, and the play he was against Villa. Um, it's difficult and. You know, it opens the door for Wilson to come back, who I do think was left out because of the match just too quick. And as as Eddie Howe said in passing, after it had been reported on Sky that he missed training before the flew out there, he said he's got to be managed very carefully, his workload. And I think he has. But this is a this would be a good match for Callum Wilson because it's an English type game on on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, in defence of Tenali, I think he has. He did admit in the press conference ahead of the game that he's still struggling to kind of adapt to life on Tyneside. So it's always going to be tough for a young man to, to, to move all those miles. Hopefully, he settles sooner rather than later and we can see him at his uh, very best. Because I, I didn't think he did anything poorly. I just didn't think he, he shone as we'd all hoped he would do. And same for Bruno as well. I think Bruno put in a, a decent enough performance, but without grabbing any of the headlines, without doing anything where you go, oh, wow, you know, he didn't make me get up off my seat. For me, the best of the midfield three was Sean Longstaff. I think Sean Longstaff, again, put in an absolute shift and a half. And like you said, John, yep. you know, he will start on Sunday against Sheffield United. And I think as time goes on in these games, what we will see is Bruno just getting back to his best because of the work Sean Longstaff does? I would hope so. Uh, I would most certainly hope so. One of the problems, to a certain extent, Eddie's got at the moment is that his midfield choice 
is limited to any three from four because he hasn't got Joe Linton and he hasn't got Joe Willick, who were two of the stars last season, if you like, in, in the midfield. Neither of those are available. He's got Sean Longstaff, who's just come into the midfield. He's got Bruno, who by his huge standards of last season is a little beneath that. And he's got Tenali, who by reputation is massive, but is punching under his weight at the moment. So there's a midfield problem. And on Sunday, he's got to say it's a fourth and three, in which is the guy he leaves out. Now, on paper and on the size of reputation, it would be Elliot Anderson. But will it be Elliot Anderson? Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, certainly, what's got to happen now and can again is a lot of work's got to be started to be done on the training ground with the midfield which they weren't able to do in the last fortnight, of course, because all three of the, the major guys were away. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And we know Eddie Howe um, puts, in half, puts in a cracking shift on the uh, on the training pitch and hopefully that's going to pay off against Sheffield United. Um, let's go right back to the start then. Newcastle started brightly. I didn't think the occasion looked like it got the better of them. They were just lacking that uh, killer ball. Um, but then AC Milan woke up. And Nick Pope pulled off several good saves. There were some cracking blocks, bodies on the line. And then you had that utterly battling back heel from uh, Rafael Leo. Maybe, John, Luke was just on their side. Well, I mean, I would like to be more uh, positive to Newcastle United and give them credit rather than look on their side because they started very brightly and I thought, we're going to take the game to them. And, and, and they looked a, a, a bit one-paced which it, the CVA is to a certain extent. And the, what we've got to remember, and yes, I mean, if you're playing away in the Champions League and you've now been in for 20 years, if you're going to get anything out of it, your goalkeeper's going to have to play well. And he did play well. But, I mean, he's supposed to play well. The back four are supposed to play well. That's what's supposed to happen. And yet we've got to remember the opposition we are playing. It is true that the current AC Milan side is nothing like the sides that won the um, won the European Cup seven times with Wood Hullet and, and Rijkaard and Van Basten. They're nowhere near that. But this side was semi-finalists in the Champions League last season and were at home. So you expect them to come at you. They came at us, but apart from the, the left winger who did terrific when he moved inside till he tried to be over clever and back heel it and fell over the ball, but it's got talent. Outside of that, they really didn't take us to the cleaners. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought it was a, a, a reasonable overall display because we have to remember they are semi-finalists in Europe's best competition. In fact, only a few months ago, semi-finalists earlier this year. And that has got to be remembered. And the good thing is that having lost three on the trot, and really the what was beginning to look like it settled in, we've had a good result against Brentford, a good result against AC Milan, and we've had two successive clean sheets. Well, when did we last do that? An eternity ago since we had two successive clean sheets. I mean, probably last year. Um, we've had a couple this year, but not many, and we had none this season. So, you know, well done, Nick Pope. Well done, Kieran Trippier. 
and well done the team. Yes, we want more from them, and yes, there's more to come, but they didn't do everything that right against Brentford. We're still slowly getting back to what we were. We're not back to it yet, but Sheffield United give us a good opportunity to get back to it, of course. Mm, they do indeed, and yeah, Nick Pope, fantastic, some really good saves, and Kieran Trippier, I mean, absolutely brilliant, okay. and I've got him marked down later um, okay. to talk about on my notes, we will get on to him, don't worry, because there's a lot to say about uh, Kieran Trippier. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's interesting, though, because I've been racking my brains about how I'm feeling about last night, about the point. And like, it, it is a great point. There's no doubt about that, and it could prove the difference in the long run. But I do wonder whether Eddie Howe will be overly pleased at the performance, despite what he says in the Open, because you know Nick Pope saves a side. You don't want to be having your back against the wall, throwing your body on the line for 80 minutes. It's like It's not sustainable, but even if it was the only way it would be is if you pose a threat going forward and Newcastle didn't and I felt for me John they were in many ways uh, dictators of their own downfall because they, they were giving the ball away too often and that was allowing Milan in or they weren't clearing the lines as quickly and then when they did get the chance to go forward there was no threat you know if you're going to sit back and absorb then you have to be clinical going forward and they were just so careless in, in possession. I mean, you had an opportunity in the second half. I think it came from an AC Milan corner and Gordon's running with it. I think it's it's maybe four and two. You've got Isaac coming from the centre, moving out to the left. And Gordon just knocks it up way past him. And it's like, well, those, those are the fine margins. Those are the moments that you have to get right because it's all good sitting back and making fantastic saves and getting your body on the line and making fantastic blocks. But is that not only going to get you so far? Well, it's going to get you a point at AC Milan. And if you win at home, then you're not so bad. You're right in terms of the threat going forward. I sometimes think we expect so much when a season and a half ago were a relegation side. Um, you know, we say, ah, we've got a point at AC Milan, but we didn't have any threat, and etc., etc. Um you know, sometimes we expect an awful lot. It's only a couple of matches ago we'd lost three on the trot. And yes, but if you're going to talk about the, the, the lack of a threat going forward, then you've got to look at your quality midfielders who you've let off the hook a little bit and say, Bruno and Tonali, what did you do to put it? This should be the basis. If you want us to do well going forward, away from home, in the Champions League, and say we didn't, 
and I accept that I, I thought Isaac was poor. I thought Gordon wasn't up to the standard that he has been up to recently and was a bit sloppy on the ball on occasions, and you picked out the moment. But really, the basis uh, the pl for the platform to be offensively aggressive had to be Bruno and Tenali, and they didn't give us that. But I mean, that's that's. I think I think what's important here before people start writing in and criticizing me for being negative. I am celebrating this point. I think it is a fantastic point. Yes, you've gone to some one of the best teams, one of the giants of Europe, and you've got a point in a fierce arena. You were the underdog, but I think you can also still be critical of 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 what didn't go right because I think if you sit sit here, this is just my personal view. But if you sit here and you kind of you kind of write the attacking performance off because let's be honest, the attacking threat was next to nil. I think you're then heading down a very dangerous road where you go a bit like the Man City game. That's just Man City. It's you know for me, I don't think that I, that's not the way I look at it. Um, but I still think you can be happy with a point. You can praise Nick Pope. You can praise the defence and still be critical of what wasn't there. But yes, I agree. I mean, the midfield's the big dilemma, and I, I do wonder. I've seen a few people suggest this, John. Whether you move Tenali into the number six role and then you allow Bruno and Longstaff either side, I don't really see how that's a solution in many ways because I think the issue of discipline with Bruno, I fear you're just going to have the same issue with Tenali. You're going to have that instinct just to want to get forward. And I, 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 I really do think not signing number six is coming home to roost now. Oh, there's no question about that. And we were banging the gun, and I was certainly going off it regularly before the transfer window closed about a right-sided centre-half because Shaw is vulnerable to injuries um, and there's no real cover from Yes, the cells can play in there, but there's not genuine cover from And not having a... I mean, we all know that the biggest thing that they were missing, and it was talked about all transfer window, was a defensive midfielder to allow Bruno to get on his bike and attack their penalty area. And all of a sudden, we get another type of Bruno player uh, in Tenali. Um, and so where do we go from there? And we also, for a while, haven't got Joe Linton with his physical presence to help to show up that midfield. He hasn't been playing well this season, but he's been carrying all season with an injury that's finally got too much for him and is now going to be out for weeks. Um, Willick did well for Newcastle last season. All of a sudden, as I say, we've got four for three. And out of that, we've got Sean Longstaff, who hasn't played at all until the last couple of games and has done well. We've got Bruno punching beneath his weight, Tonali punching beneath his weight, and Elliot Anderson, a young boy, just coming through. So there's problems there. And we can't just keep playing Tonali and Bruno just throwing them on the field and saying... They're two quality players to let them work it out for themselves. And because we need points, we have got to win the next two league games against Sheffield United and Burnley. I know we've got the League Cup in between, but Sheffield United and Burnley to get us back into the top half of the Premier League. And the only way you win them is by fielding your best sides, not by saying, well, I hope Tonali comes and he will eventually, so let's keep going and I hope that's true, Bruno. Etc. You've got to work on the training ground and you've got to pick your best side. And if that means you've got to leave Tonali out at Sheffield United for Anderson, then so be it. 
if if and I stress it, I'm talking about Eddie. If Eddie thinks that's the best way to get a result, rather than just playing Tenali and Bruno and getting the prey mat out. Do you, so I mean, do you think that because it's because to me what you've just said there are two two separate kind of issues. I mean, because we we know Bruno and Tenali are probably the, the the defensive solution, but it was interesting. Longstaff's come in, and for me, I envisaged him sitting deep, but in reality. He wasn't, you know, he was he was he was streaming forward, and it was still Bruno on paper in that centre. Um, and I just, I just, I don't know. I just wonder what the solution is. I mean, obviously, we'd like the window to open, and maybe you go and spend 30, 40 million on a defensive midfielder, but that's that's not going to happen. Um, but before we get on to Sheffield United and, and what what last night's team will tell us about Sunday's team, I mean, let's. I mean, we've got to talk about Kieran Trippier. Thirty third birthday yesterday, yeah. celebrating that at the San Siro. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, a captain's performance. It, it looked like Harry. it looked like his stage, didn't it? Oh, that's as good as I've seen him, and he's had a few absolute brilliant games since he came to Newcastle United. But that was a captain literally leading by example, uh, and it was his stage. I mean, we've got to remember this is a guy that played for for Spurs, went and played for Atletico Madrid and won La Liga, played in the Champions League with Atletico Madrid, uh, has played on the big stage with England many, many, many times, and he's brought all that, all his enthusiasm, all his nous, his cleverness, all his calm influence, and brought it to bear. Now, if you're a liberal mentor who's sitting in the stand, you look at it two ways. You either look at it and say... That was a master class of a right back, and I've got to learn from that. Or you look at it and say, when do I become a regular? Forgetting his age, if he's playing like that. Um, because it, it was some, some performance. And um, it was exactly what Newcastle needed in the circumstances. He was made for big occasions in big places like the San Siro. And, um, you know, he stood up there to be counted. There's no question about that. And he was an inspiration. I think for everybody that was on the field in in Jordy Colours. Yeah, it certainly was. I thought Botman had a decent enough game. I thought Fabian Share at times he looked like he was running through cement, uh, yeah. he looked a little bit off the pace. You know, he took another uh, bang to, to to the head. Uh, Dan Byrne, he had a difficult first half offensively, given the ball. I mean, I mean, there was one pass he just he just booted out in a touch. Um, I mean, I I think. Looking at Sheffield United and the team that Newcastle will play, I wonder if Dan Byrne is the, the main one at risk. And I wonder whether Lewis Hall might come in or, or Matt Target. I think, you know, the quick turnaround in the game and just the way, I don't know, it just it didn't look too comfortable, I didn't think. You wouldn't expect him to look comfortable in the Champions League playing left back because he's eight foot six, he's got huge long legs, runs slowly. Um, and therefore is not going to look the way Trippier looked on the other side. But having said that, you know, he really, really uh, has the courage of a lion to continue against all odds to try to do a job. Um, I've been bantering on for ages that Newcastle need a genuine left-back, the way they've got a genuine right-back, and I think Hall will become that when he's allowed to become that and when he's ready to become that. Funnily enough... 
Sheffield United might be just the sort of game that that is good for Burn, where AC Milan were not. In Manchester City, the following Wednesday in the League Cup probably won't be because they have got the quality players that can get at Burn and expose them. This is an English blood and thunder game with Sheffield United. That's the way they play. They were a big side. They played the English way. They launched long balls. And him tucking in by it to Bob, the side of Bobman, heading everything away and sliding tackles. It might be just the game um, that, that is more made for him as a left back than other games are, like AC Milan. Um, but yes, there's, there's a problem long term, and the, the, the solution is on the books uh, because it's Lewis Hall despite his youth. It's just when Eddie, because I keep emphasizing this, it's we can only give our opinion of what we would do, but it's what Eddie would do in second guessing Eddie is, is absurd. And as you said, who, would, who second guessed him and played Murphy at AC Milan? You can't. I don't mean that he's wrong to do it. I just mean he, it's very difficult to second guess Eddie, and he gives nothing away in press conferences. Bless him, press conferences are a waste of time um, because you he, he told nothing, um, and I can understand why he goes down that route. But yeah, uh, there's a there's a problem to be solved long term, and it's how on earth. Do you decide that Hall's ready if he's never getting any minutes anywhere on a football field? Uh, and he isn't. Um, so is training enough to, to get him ready? To a certain extent, yes, but not completely. And and it's interesting that he's not brought on late in the game to get a few minutes. Um, so I don't know when he is going to be seen. Uh, but... Well- Plenty of games coming, so like you say, you might get the opportunity against City uh, in the cup midweek. Who knows? You mentioned there Eddie Howe's press conference. Let's hear from Eddie Howe. He was asked by our chief sports writer about the suggestions that Newcastle were lucky to draw the game against AC Milan. Eddie, I've uh, I've heard sort of the word luck bandied about uh, in this room beforehand, but sometimes in football you make your own luck. Yeah, I, yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, I, I didn't think the, the draw was luck today on our part. I thought we, we're slightly disappointed with how we played with the ball tonight, but I think there are loads of different reasons for that. But I thought the way we defended was commendable. You know, look how many block shots, how many times we threw ourselves in front of the ball. We were determined to defend our goal. Yes, our goalkeeper played well, but it was a really good defensive display. A very hostile atmosphere, very difficult place to come. Can't underestimate the power of that draw today. What I love about that, and I've probably mentioned it on several episodes over the past year or so, Eddie Howe is well aware just how poorly they played in possession with the ball. We've spoken about that for about 10 minutes or so, and I've gone up very several levels of volume talking about it. He's well aware. He knows. He, he watched that, and he, he would have been pulling his hair out as well, thinking, just hold on to the ball. Make one or two more passes rather than looking for that killer ball and wasting it. Other managers would have been going into that press conference with a bottle of champers. Yes, we've got a point against AC Milan. Forget about how we played. It's all about the point. And that just fills me with confidence about what's going to happen over the next few days ahead of Sheffield United. He's going to you know, go over the game. He's going to reflect on it. And, and he's going to pick them points. He's going to pick that moment of Gordon and Isaac. He's going to pick the moment of, I don't know, I think there was one when Cher belted it forward. He knows what wasn't good. And he'll be working on it over the next few days. 
Well, you didn't sound so full of confidence about 10 minutes ago, mind, when you were complaining about us going forward, but uh, I'm pleased your confidence has returned after listening to Eddie. I thought Eddie told it the way it was. Um, it was a better point than a lot of people would have, and, of course, the alternative is we could have played very expensive stuff going forward and got hammered on the counter-attack uh, and said, oh, we played attractive, but we did lose 2-0, and, and which is the better way to go in that particular match. Um, I thought the performance was OK. I wasn't uh, thrilled about the offensive performance, but I wasn't expecting to be. I wasn't expecting us to go to AC Milan and play them off the park. No, and... but neither was that. I, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that's what should have happened. But what I'm saying is when you get the moment to counter, you've got to make of sure course. that you're doing better in with the ball. Per in a perfect world, you've got to do that. But the, the, about the only people that live in a perfect world is Manchester City. And they had to come from one goal down at half time last night. Uh, I mean, they, they live in a perfect world because they've got so many perfect players. There's no question. They are the best team, club team in the world at the moment. No question about that. Um, but this, that doesn't happen too often. You know, you get criticism of, of Arsenal. You, you get criticism of Liverpool, who was slaughtered last season and slaughtered at the beginning of this season, but are unbeaten for a long time end of last season and beginning of this. And it happens. Perfection doesn't last very long. I mean, we've only got, we've got perfection against Aston Villa, but we've never thought since we haven't played it anywhere near that in a solitary single game that we've had since Villa. And I'm not making excuses either because I want, it, I want Newcastle to be what you want them to be. A team full of attraction. I mean, that's what I loved about the entertainers. And... But they still ended up winning now, the entertainers. And, you know, the, the fine balance has got to be found um, between entertaining and winning something. And, yes, of course, there was a lot to be desired. There was a lot to be desired in the win against Brentford. It wasn't quality. It wasn't class. At times, it was dirty knees. It, it, it was an ugly winning. But there's days when you have to ugly win. Um and at the moment, after three successive defeats, with players not playing the way they ought to, yep, Bruno and uh, Tenali and uh, uh, well, sometimes even Sean Byrne, uh, Isaac certainly, um, yeah, we, we, we haven't been firing on all cylinders. But let us go and beat Sheffield United of course, we know what's going to happen against City. It's going to be, I don't mean result-wise, but by joke, you're going to be up against it against whatever team City put out. We'll have to put the first team and they can put the reserves and it'll still be a, a, a dog dinger. But then we've got Burnley to come at home. So, you know, confidence will make us go and play better offensively. If, if we turn three league defeats into three league wins... And we've got a real chance to do that, having beaten Brentford with Sheffield United and Burnley to come. Then it'll change not just the complexion for fans, but it'll change the mood inside the camp, and it will put everybody on the front foot again. 
Yep, it certainly will do. And like you say, Newcastle not at their best. I don't think anyone's disputing that, but it makes that point all the more better. And just imagine what Newcastle can achieve when they are uh, when they do have a bit of form behind them. I think that's what everyone's hoping for going into to the, the next few Champions League games. And you know, when you go away to Dortmund or to Paris, you want to have a bit of form under under your belt, and the, the, the difference will be um, will be something else. We're going to get on to then. Sheffield United away Sunday, so they've got a little bit of time to recuperate. Not much, though. I'm sure Eddie Howe's already got them back on the training pitch as soon as they land on Tyneside. And um, before we start talking about uh, Sheffield United, just a reminder to please follow the podcast on your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review as well. And share the pod amongst your Newcastle support and friends and family. That would be much appreciated. I've mentioned John. Dan Byrne could be the one at risk, uh, whether it's Matt Target, whether it's it's Lewis Hall. Uh, I think we'll see the same midfield three of Longstaff, Bruno and Tonali. I think Howe's going to persist with it. We've mentioned there, I mean, could you move Tonali into the six? I don't know what the solution is. Um, he's going to persist with it though, isn't he? He probably is. He probably is. As I say, his options are limited to one. Yeah. It's only those three in Anderson. Um, and I tell you what, all four will be on the pitch at some time during the match at Bramall Lane. Um, but because he hasn't got Willock and because he hasn't got Joe Linton, it, it, he's only got the four. And he'll probably go, although he did start with Anderson, of course, at uh, against Brentford. But, it, you know, that was almost... It wasn't forced on him because I think Tenali could have played against Brentford. But he'd had a little knock. They said, look, just hold him back because his big game's coming uh, in the San Siro, so I think he was held back deliberately. But he'll probably go with the three again. I mean, you then look you look at the rest of the team, and I would start Wilson for Isaac at Sheffield United, because Wilson's had the midfield midweek rest. Yes, he got on for a little while, but he had the midweek rest. I don't think he was capable of playing two full games in three days which is what would have been asked of him in the San Siro. Isaac did nothing to... to, um, And I'm a great fan of Isaac, as you you know, Andrew, but I'm also a great fan of Wilson. And I think it's a typical English-type game that's awaiting us on Sunday. And I think that's right up Wilson Street. So I would think that Wilson would get in for Isaac. Then you've got to decide on what happens on the wings, um, in both left and right. Uh, do you bring Almirin back after he's been left out of the last two games? Um, which side do you start Gordon on? Do I think it'll be, it'll be Gordon on the left, I think, and, and Almirin on the right. I think that's what'll happen. Gordon, I think, is a cert. I then think it'll be Almiron, um over on the right. That's what I think you'll do. Mine, you didn't think Gordon would start on the right against uh, Brentford? I didn't, John. I didn't. I didn't. But, so you know. he, may, he may start on the right because Eddie, and I'm, I'm emphasising and just having a bit of fun, Andrew, what you was, what would like to do and what I would like to do is probably two, and what 50,000 Geordies might like to do will all be maybe different to what Eddie Howe will do because he surprised you with he surprised you with both the outside right positions in the both matches. He started Gordon against Brentford and Murphy in the last one. Um, I've got a feeling that it might well be time for Mewen to come back, and if it is, Gordon will start on the on the left. Um, 
But you're second-guessing everything with, with Eddie. It's, all you can talk about is what you, you would do as a person. You can't talk about what Eddie would do um, because he just uh, shakes everybody. And, hey, it's a, it's a funny old world football. If you get a result, you're right. If you lose, you're wrong. And it becomes as simple as that, doesn't it? <laughs> it is very, very uh, simple as that, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see that team. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaac started against Sheffield United. Um, it would not surprise me. I would start Wilson, but equally. I mean, I, again, I don't think you can be surprised at all by anything anyhow it does because you always know he's got one of those, like, wow changes in his back pocket, um, which in any other world would surprise you, but then it's Eddie Howe and you're like, yeah. He can do that. So it will be intriguing to see the team he starts. And just to see as well how fit the players are who started against AC Milan, oh. to see how well they recuperated because, it, you know, you've got the travel. It is, you know, it, it will take a toll on his body playing in the Champions League. Um, of course, they've got the best you know, fitness gurus around, the best gym equipment. So they, sh- they shouldn't be too bad, but, you know, they're only human at the end of the day. Um, it, on Sheffield United, John, they're in a bit of crisis at the moment. I think most people have got them to be instantly relegated uh, back to the championship. I mean, losing 2-1 to Spurs with uh, two plus 90-minute goals, that is going to really hurt, isn't it? And they'll be they'll be wanting to bounce back. But with everything that's going on, on off the pitch, you know, Paul Heckbottom reporting the pressure, it's not going to be easy for them to bounce back, is it? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, funny enough, it just jumped up into my mind, Andrew, when you were talking about the killer of losing 2-1 at Spurs. It was almost like the killer of us losing against Liverpool with 11 men against 10 with two late goals from the sub in that game. And we didn't get over that very quickly either. And it is difficult. I mean, the Blades have only got one point out of 15. They've got one drawn, four losses. In everybody's book, they're heading to back towards the championship. I mean, everybody, and it's so early in the season, have it sort of as, um, I, I don't know, Sheffield, United, Burnley, Everton and Luton. And, you know, three from four. And, um, yes, Heckenbottom is, this early in the season, is under the cosh. And there is a, a, a suggestion locally down there that the board are thinking about bringing Chris Wilder back. Now, that's a funny old sort of game because what you're doing then is grasping at straws. You're bringing back a, a, a faithful, a, a good servant in the way Ashley thought he was going to do with Kevin Keegan. And then that all went pear-shaped, of course, because Kevin and Ashley were never going to go together as, as in partnership. But, um, you know... This guy, Wilder, bless him, I mean, this is the guy that got the sack in Middlesbrough with them third bottom of the championship heading towards League One and then had this very short-term contract at Watford and Watford said, no, no, thanks very much, off you go at the end of that short contract. All of a sudden, he's the guy that can rescue Sheffield United in the Premier League. I mean, Heckenbottom, interesting. I mean, he has, as a player... He had a complete love affair with the Northeast. I don't know if you realise it, actually, Andrew, but he actually played for Sunderland, Hartlepool, Darlington, and Gateshead. Heckenbottom played for all those clubs. Loved the Northeast. He might be a Yorkshireman, but he toured the Northeast to make a living as a player. That love won't be extended to 
Tyneside on uh, Sunday because if anybody needs a result, he does, and he needs it desperately. And he'll be praying that Newcastle aren't at this with their free-flowing best. They've had a, a, an exhausting trip and emotional time in the Champions League in midweek while they've rested up all week. But, again, to a certain extent, that's clutching at straws. If we go about it the right way, we win this match and we need to win it. Malcolm McDonald has always said to me, and he was a manager as well as a very, very good player, never underestimate him in a way point. But when you've lost three on the trot early, if you're first four like we have, then when you play a poor side away from home, a point's not good enough. We need to beat these and also beat Burnley. Yeah, I mean, some people might say, well, look, Newcastle have got to get over the, the travel and the playing of the, uh, of the Champions League. But there's no excuse. I mean, the, Newcastle, I, they will they will want to win this. They have, I mean, they, they're going this as overwhelming favourites um, and I think they'll handle that fine. But we can't be looking at the fact that just play the Champions but, League as an excuse for, no. for a poor performance. I don't think, I think they'll win. I don't think they'll be a poor performance. I think they might start a little bit slow, but I think um, as the match goes on, I think you'll see them go from strength to strength and I think they'll win. I don't think they'll run wild over Sheffield United. Um, Bramall Lane can be a fierce place to go at. I, I love visiting Bramall Lane. I think it's a, a good old-fashioned uh, uh, stadium. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, they have to win, I think. Uh, I think they will win. W- what are you going for? Well, I'm going for a victory, which is, uh, I mean, after that, it's like guessing Eddie Howe's team, isn't it? Guessing the score, because even Eddie Howe can't control that. Um, but, you know, it might be 2-1, it might be 2-0. Maybe 2-1, can we keep three clean sheets on the trot? Yes, we can, but it's a, it's a rarity if it happens. But I'm almost not bothered about what the score is as long as it's three points, and I, I do believe it will be three points. I mean, this is going to be the, the kind of the first test of, of <laughs> dealing with the European schedule, isn't it? You know, you've got a game Saturday evening, then you've got the Tuesday evening, then you've got the Sunday afternoon, and then you've got uh, the game, what, Wednesday against um, Man City, then Saturday, isn't it, against Burnley? I mean, this is the first kind of real test. Like I said before, they're only human, but Eddie Howe will not allow tiredness to sneak into his side, will he? He'll be, he'll be making sure that they're, they're up and ready for this game. As much as you can. Yeah. I mean, as much as you can. I mean, your body's your body, and... Uh, if Eddie Howe says to my body, you're not going to be tired, and I've never been to bed for two nights, I think it might still go to sleep, despite what Eddie said. Um, but he's got to do his selection around who he thinks is exhausted. Is somebody exhausted mentally or physically? Is Tenali because it was San Siro, or is he ready to get up and play? We don't know that. Tenali will know it, and Eddie is paid to know it by watching them over the next couple of days. Um, and you've got to pick the right side. In most places, you've got decent cover to be able to put somebody in or out. Centre forward, you've got two guys. On the wings, you've got two or three guys. Uh, midfield, more restricted. You've only got four for three places. Defence will pick itself with only the left back up for discussion. Um, but yes, he's... He, you cannot have excuses because this is what you want. This is what you spend your whole life trying to get, Champions League football. And I mean, hey, 
we've got to follow it. We've got um, Manchester City in the League Cup. They're the European champions. So that's like another Champions League game, isn't it? In, in the following week, we're coming and then it's Paris Saint-Germain and here we go again. But this isn't a surprise. This is, is something we knew would happen and something we wanted to happen. And we've got to be big enough and ready enough to take um, advantage. It is no good saying, well, we didn't win a check. And Eddie wouldn't say it, by the way. But it's no good saying, well, we didn't win a Sheffield United because we'd had exhaustion time in San Siro because there's another five Champions League matches to come or we're going to not win any games around the time we're playing the Champions League because we're too exhausted and we can't go down that route. I, say, I certainly hope not, John. I certainly hope not. But do you know what? A great point at the San Siro, uh, a plucky defensive display, room for improvement, but there always is, especially in an Eddie Howe side. And I'm sure... We will see Newcastle United uh, continue their winning ways in the Premier League against Sheffield United on Sunday. Fingers crossed, me and John both going for uh, a win there. You guys can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie House press conference and live coverage of the game on Sunday. Head over to our YouTube channel as well, where we've got some travel vlogs from Aaron Stokes, who was lucky enough to be in Milan. We've had plenty of great video content over the past couple of days on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure you check those out. Plenty more of those to come on our European travels as well. Uh, from me and John, we shall see you guys very soon. Thank you as always for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast.